0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, after dancing with Prince and helping Buffy slay vampires, Robia Scott now explains how her life was filled with counterfeit comforts.
1: Even though I was very successful and on television and traveling the world and making a lot of money, you know, I still didn't have peace, I was a chain smoker, I had body image issues, being an actress and a dancer, I was really struggling in that area. And I really believe that someone who had a relationship with God, that there was freedom there. I just couldn't find it.
2: Welcome to Life Today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Betty, and this is James.
3: Well, about 20 years ago, there was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) Now, I know we got these incredible vampire movies, and really, in the books, that sold millions. So you sell millions of books. They usually try to put it into uh, some kind of movie. They got them. Well, uh, Buffy was there, and there was a a really famous singer, Prince, uh, that left us here a while back. But uh, uh, he was quite popular and talented, and this uh, guest we have today was uh, one of the dancers with him. Mm But then she became part of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But something has happened, and she writes about counterfeit comforts. Now, once you listen, listen to the uh, subheading: "Freedom from the imposters." I wonder if it's a little bit like what Lisa Bevere talks about, because see, we're we're, we're sitting. She's one of our best friends. She's been all over the world with our mission teams. And she and her husband, John, who are great gifted mm-hmm. communicators and writers have uh, supported our mission outreaches for a long time. But she wrote without rival, embrace your identity and purpose in an age of confusion and comparison. And I think that probably is what leads to the need for comfort and many times you get counterfeit. But uh, Robia is talking about how you find real freedom. Would you welcome Robia Scott? to life today. She played Thank on Buffy you. and you were with Prince. Yes, sir. Are you happier now that you're not with Prince, but maybe you met the <laughs> Prince of Peace?
1: Uh, well, I'm still slaying. Now I'm slaying demons. There you go. I'm just not slaying vampires. Yes, I'm doing well. <laughs> Things are good. Do you
3: believe that those spiritual beings that, you know, oftentimes uh, the media and Hollywood talk about people having a battle with their own demons, Do you think that's more likely actually accurate that they are in a battle in the spiritual realm with some kind of spiritual invisible force that in many ways is controlling their life, their actions, and bringing on them the misery that they experience and pass on? Do you think that is a spiritual realm?
1: Absolutely. I believe there's a spiritual realm. The Bible says we fight the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. And by definition, if you're in a fight, you have an opponent. And sometimes we think the opponent is just ourselves, but the Bible also says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. And when I was working on Buffy, that's actually when I became a Christian. And as I continued to go to set, and I learned more about God and learned more about spiritual warfare, I started to feel that pull. And, you know, I was in the middle of shooting scenes that were, you know, casting spells and witchcraft going on. And, and even though it was acting in Hollywood, you could feel the presence. So it was starting to become a conflict for me.
3: If you give the wrong kind of attention to the enemy and his activity, you think that sometimes opens doors to the enemy to deceive and defeat you?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of things that can open doors for sure.
3: All right. I want you to tell us about your journey because you, you are in the Hollywood world you're having success and mm-hmm. did you feel like you were successful? Did you have a good feeling about where you were? You know,
1: I did really well. I was that little girl like so many little girls that danced around the house and put on shows for their parents and it wasn't until I saw the movie Flashdance that I realized that you could actually do that for a living. I thought you just did it in your living room
3: <laughs> and then I saw
1: Flash Dance, yeah. and I was like oh people do this. I could be a dancer. So I started pursuing. How old were you then? I was about 12. Wow. Oh, you're dating mm-hmm. me. People can do the math now. <laughs> I was about 12 I think when Flashdance came out and I started uh, pursuing the craft and taking dance lessons. And by that time I was 16, I went professional. And I started doing a lot of music videos. That's around the time when MTV was really uh, coming onto the scene, so I did many music videos. And then a few years into it, I got called to be a dancer for Prince in a video. And he was also looking for a set of identical twins and he couldn't find twins that he liked. And there was another girl who looked like me. He hired us for the twins. Mm -hmm. The album was Diamonds and Pearls and I played Pearl and then it turned into two years traveling the world with Prince.
3: Wow, did you enjoy it?
1: I did, it was an amazing experience. And then you got Buffy. And then I retired after that because I felt that I had reached the pinnacle as a dancer. So at 22 I retired. Then I transitioned into acting and again just studied um, fervently and and uh, started booking jobs Beverly Hills 90210 I was on CSI did a whole lot of guest starring roles and then I got Buffy the Vampire Slayer
2: What well, did something or someone in particular get you to thinking about God and a relationship with him
1: Well I was always a believer in God but um I was a seeker. I was always a seeker. And living in Southern California, when you're seeking God, you usually come into the New Age movement. Mm-hmm. So I was very passionate about reading and studying and wanting that connection with God. So I was I was doing all sorts of things in the New Age movement. But then I was also, even though I was very successful and on television and traveling the world and making a lot of money, you know, I was still dealing with those areas, things that money can't buy. You know, I still didn't have peace. I was a chain smoker. I had body image issues. Being an actress and a dancer, I was really struggling in that area. And I had to be You think honest. there was
3: even any reason to struggle there? Actually, that you you probably were still pretty good shape. Oh yeah, I've still... always
1: been very thin, so you wouldn't know by looking at me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just very tormented around food and what I ate and how much I weighed and how I appeared, and it was very consuming. So you basically
2: you had a low self-image of yourself. But I mean, with, you the, just, body, with yes. the body, yeah.
1: yeah. I was very consumed with that. So even though I was doing all these God practices, I had to admit to myself that none of the things that I was doing were really helping me in the areas I was suffering in. So that, that drove me to look for God in a different way. So I did have some Christians that were talking to me about- By the
3: way, did you see those of the counterfeit comforts that you're talking about, what you were looking for when you are talking about the counterfeit comforts? What was it that, that you-
1: Well, for me, the main counterfeit comfort was food. So, uh, but there are many counterfeit comforts. There's a whole list of things that we go to for comfort. Um, Cigarettes, alcohol, shopping, relationships, gambling. I mean, the list goes on and on.
3: And none of them worked?
1: It wasn't, yeah, none of them worked. None of them filled that place, but it wasn't even just trying to find satisfaction. It was that I had actually had become in bondage. Mm this area of food. And I really believe that someone who had a relationship with God, that there was freedom there. I just couldn't find it. I just couldn't find it. So I had someone talk to me about Christianity and I was open, but again, I must be honest that as a, you know, kind of savvy Hollywood gal, I hadn't seen a lot of representations of Christianity that looked like something I wanted to emulate. Because Hollywood portrays Christianity in a way usually that is not favorable. You know, that's either very uptight and conservative, or it's the real sweet gal who turns out to be the crazy person who kills everyone in the town. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, right? It's the hypocritical thing. So I was like, True. where, you know, I was looking for something real. Mm-hmm. And I also had the mindset, a religious mindset, of who I thought God was in terms of becoming a born again Christian. I really thought that becoming born again meant, um, because New Age was very free. New Age was do whatever feels right, do whatever you want. But Christianity seemed that it was controlling. So I thought, well, if I become a born-again Christian, God's going to take everything I like away from me. He, you know, I'm not going to have fun anymore. I have to dress very conservatively. I can't have cute shoes, and I like (laughs) cute shoes. You know, can I still do this and be a Christian? So God, God knew, and I really just went to him and I said, God, you know, you know, I believe in you, but you've got to help me understand being born again. This doesn't make sense to me. And God is so amazing. He'll talk to us in so many different ways. So I don't know how this happened, but I stumbled upon this article about Michelangelo, who is the, uh, the artist. I'd
3: say he's rather gifted. Yes.
1: <laughs> he's a well-known artist, <laughs> painted the Sistine Chapel, sculpted mm-hmm. David, which from is from
3: incredible positions. Mm-hmm. Beautiful,
1: beautiful mm-hmm. work. So I was reading this article about how Michelangelo went about his work. And what it said is when he went to sculpt, he would stand in front of a big piece of marble. And instead of trying to create something, he would already see the finished masterpiece inside the marble. Mm-hmm. And all he did was chip away at, 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 at the marble and chip away uh, to keep what it already was. You know, he wanted to remove he the excess. To find mm-hmm. the angel in yes, he Yes, mm-hmm. he wanted to remove the excess from it being what it already was. And that is the exact quote. He said, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free.
3: And I agree.
1: And (laughs) something when I read that, it just spoke to my spirit. I felt like the spirit of God said, this is who I am. I don't want to take things from you. I don't want to take your personality. The only thing I want to take from you are all those bondages, all those things that are keeping you from being the masterpiece that I created you to be. And that was a turning point for me. Wow. I became a Christian and right away my life started to change. But um, this area with food was still a struggle. I could not get free. So I went to God and that's really how this whole book was birthed. I went to God and in a moment with God, hearing his voice, he told me what a counselor couldn't tell me, what any person, you know, sharing things they couldn't tell me. I said, God, what is going on? Why, what is this issue with food? How do I get free? And I heard in my spirit, I had a thought that I'd never thought before. And what I heard was, you have too many counterfeit comforts. And I had never heard anyone say that. So I was like, what does that mean, counterfeit comforts? And the Lord started to reveal to me that he actually spoke to me and he said, food isn't the issue. That's why when you try to diet or cut out food groups or do certain things, that's not really the problem. Your food problem is merely a symptom to a deeper root. So your real problem is is, um, feelings and things that you don't know how to deal with. So if you will learn how to transfer you're running to comfort, to food and all these other things. And you would learn how to transfer that to the real comforter. I'll go deep and heal you down deep in the root. And then all the superficial symptoms will start to change. And that's how God is. He, he works from the inside out.
3: So you experienced it.
1: I experienced it. It was like a, like a miracle, Right. Well, it was, it was a, a lot of little miracles mm-hmm. all strung together. <laughs> it was actually learning how to encounter God's presence and hear his voice and let him talk to me about me because he's my creator. He knows who I am. He knows the things I've been through. He knows uh, strongholds and areas I've suffered and he's the one who has my answers. So really it was learning about getting into that place and having a journey with the counselor. The Holy Spirit is the counselor mm-hmm. and he will lead us into all truth and he led me into all truth about myself.
3: And you think that in the book, Counterfeit Comforts, that you said you believe you have a gift to teach people. Yes. And you think when I'm saying this is real and I want it for others, but I kind of, preach to people, but maybe I don't Sometimes teach them how to how get there. How
1: to, we need the how to, that's not that's the concept. I'm to, you. I'm trying to See, I got I, frustrated when I heard the concepts. Yeah. I heard abide in the vine. Yeah. How do I abide in the vine? Yeah, I'm
3: the guy that frustrates people. Yeah, it was you, <laughs> it was all it. along. And I'm, but I'm trying to inspire them to know that if we plow the ground and get the right seed, we can grow this well, beautiful fruit. Well, that's why
1: we're the body. You that's inspire, and then I help Absolute. people walk there it out step, step So step. you're saying you can
3: actually help people walk where they know his voice, and they can actually have this fellowship with him.
1: Here Hearing God's voice is for everyone, and that is what I'm passionate about. I think so many believers think it's for the special anointed Christians, yeah. mm-hmm. the prophets, the pastors, the ministry people. I used but to the, think that. used to think yeah. that? And mm-hmm. it's taught often, too, that we don't really hear his voice. We yeah. hear it through reading the Bible, but we, can't, we don't actually hear him personally for us. And this is a God that, you know, he knows every hair on our head. He knows every tear that we cry. He's a personal mm-hmm. God.
3: And I, I get the sense with you. Now you've got a church, right? You, mm-hmm. you and your husband started a church in mm-hmm. Southern California, south of Los Angeles, right? That's right, right. Redondo where Beach. Where is it located?
1: Redondo Beach. All right, and it's called what? Deeper Life.
3: Deeper Life. Mm-hmm. And you go, you, there. You, there's a little website we put up there. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if they come, are you and your husband going to try to help them learn how to live beyond this counterfeit comfort and move into this relationship where Jesus sent another one of Himself, another one just like him Absolutely. to live in us so that Jesus could actually walk in us. We
1: are really about teaching people, training people how to hear from God firsthand. Because as Christians, so many of us spend our entire Christian walk in secondhand revelation. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of our Christian yeah. walk. You know, hearing our pastor mm-hmm. teach us, hearing other people talk about God. You know, I've I've gotten so much from the books that I've read and the people that have taught me and sure. preached to me. But that is not ever meant to be our entire Christian walk, hearing from, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't base my relationship on God based only on what you've experienced Mm -hmm. with God. God wants me to experience Mm him. So it's so much about firsthand revelation and teaching people how to get into that place in his presence Mm -hmm. where they can feel him, where they can encounter him, where they can experience him, not just learn about him, not just know about him, but actually know him. That's what I'm passionate about, and that's, what, that's the process of this book, really, taking people step-by-step, step, biblical, practical, applicable tools to transform, to get set free from bondage, and to know God intimately, to hear
3: his voice. Do you, you see sincerity and genuineness in her? From, from, this is not a Hollywood act. <laughs> this is someone who's been in the, the role of acting and being in the spotlight, and yet, this and by the way, I can just tell that it's the real deal with you. Thank you. What's your husband's name?
1: James. James.
3: <laughs> hey, 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 what a name. Hey, James, listen to me. You got, a, you got a beautiful gift here. And you must be a very special man. Mm-hmm. And I want to just pray. Lord, bless uh, James and Rabia mm-hmm. and their church. And I mean, Lord, just set people free. In Jesus' name. You believe because you said, I want to help people. You know, you're actually bringing to the table something that I don't necessarily bring to the table. I'm not, I don't think I'm a gifted teacher. That's why I bring teachers on. That's why I have teachers around me. And I, and I, I can't do certain things. But I don't have to feel bad about that. I got to do my part in God's heart. That's right. Part of my part in God's heart is help people find their part in God's heart. That's right. And so what you're trying to do, though, is you heard me talking with you and others as we were talking earlier about this running relationship with God where we know we can talk. Paul said pray without ceasing. It didn't mean he was over in a fetal position Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. bowing down or locked up in a closet. He was praying, talking to God. I'm in constant conversation. I'm not just speaking. God's speaking to me. Mm -hmm. You're saying this is the normal Christian life. You believe, and this is one step toward you helping. You believe you can help people understand how to do that.
1: Absolutely. That's why
3: you want them to get the book.
1: Absolutely. Teaching people how to appropriate all the promises that are in the Bible that Mm -hmm. are for us, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they're not just handed to us they're available to us but we have to learn right. how to mm-hmm. how to walk in everything that's available to us and that's what i do here step by step by step by step the process and journey of getting free
3: would you like to say thanks to god and thanks to her and her husband so here's the book that's in the bookstore do you want me to mention a website if they wanted to know something about your church yes, or what you're doing rubia
1: ministries.org my website okay facebook Instagram,
3: Twitter. All right, Google so me up. You'll find all sorts of goodness. You're, I'm asking God to anoint me with all the social language gifts. You know, all <laughs> I'm those, learning uh, this too. All those in the New Testament when they spoke there after the Holy Spirit was put out, they could speak the dialect and the language of the people. I don't know if I can speak YouTube or Facebook <laughs> or Twitter or anything. It but language. I don't want to just mess with it. If I ever do anything, I want it to be by the divine enabling of God. Uh, you know, we, we do something that Betty's about to see something that I think is going mm-hmm. to... I've already started praying for Betty because I know what she's about to see. She hasn't seen it. And uh, you, you don't want to miss this because it's going to be a very personal communication, but not just with Betty or with me, but I really believe it's a communication from God to you. But I think it's real serious and real important. Watch. Watch. Angola,
4: Africa. Drought is crushing this land. You see, plants spring from the earth with promise of food, promise of life. But long before they can ever provide any sort of sustenance, they quickly fail and wither back into the earth. This drought has affected the many lives that depend on this food, but it has affected some more than others. The children, suffer the worst. Their bodies are not meant to withstand this lack of sustenance. Some will make it. Some will not.
2: When I was young, I was young. I was young, and I was young. I was young, and I was young. So called Langu or kwenda on Zala. When does O Harry your baba, when The What is and Dandala yon deity? Yakutu, then go dined up you
4: can just see it in her eyes, this this tremendous loss. And and if anybody understands this woman's pain, it's you, Betty. If you've lost a daughter, it changes everything. And that's a community that nobody, No one on this earth signs up to join that community. So you understand this woman's pain. This mom, this young, beautiful mom has done everything she could, but she shouldn't stand alone. We are the body of Christ. We can do something right now in Angola. You maybe even hear some crying babies in the background. There's a lot of children here who are extremely hungry and a simple bowl of food can change everything.
3: And Betty, she said you'd understand.
2: The heart of a mother is a nurturing heart, a heart that would do anything for their child and a heart that would go to the ends of the world if they thought they could find help for their child. This mother's done all she can do, just like many other mothers like her. There's nothing around to feed the children. There's nothing she can offer them but comfort in their pain And her heart is in pain because she can't take care of her child, her children, ever how many she has. So she's asking, she's trusting God as you can see through God's Word. And she's waiting on God to supply the need. And I believe we can be a part of that. God's supplying us, joining together, reaching out to mothers just like this one, and offering food. For nourishment for their children, that they don't have to die like this?
3: You know, we didn't have to lose a child to care. All we had to do was see a little child, our children. It was easy for us to say, suffer the little children to come, of such is the kingdom of heaven. It was easy for us to hear, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And from the time I was a boy without a home, I found myself when I heard the story of Jesus, I wanted to be the one to give him a drink of water, not vinegar when he was saying, I'm thirsty. And I remember praying that as a teenager. And Betty, we've been able to give water because of you joining us. We've been able to give it to millions of people. And we've been able to feed millions of children together. And right now we've got, right there where you saw Sheila, and you talked about the drought, it's serious. we got 400,000 kids that could end up dying. or we can save their lives with love. And so we're asking you to help us. And, and some of our friends, Betty, they heard the heart of God, and they put up a $400,000 matching gift right now that whatever you do today will be doubled. Yeah. They'll, they'll match it. And uh, 30, 50, 100 dollars, we feed three, five or 10 children. 30, 50, 100, 3, 5, 10, but it's doubled. Instead of 10, it's 20. So at whatever level you can come in at, please do. Go to lifetoday.org. Go ahead, go online, take your bank card, use it like a check or dial the number there where people call to trust Christ every day and to be prayed for and with. You call that number and say, here's what I'm giving. Use your bank card like a check. If you write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us what you're putting in the mail so we can tell the missionaries. The support's going to be there. And we're also going to now, as we've gotten children stabilized, we want to feed them in school. $1,400 will feed an entire school for three months. So once you get them stable and you can keep them in school because they're coming for the food, but their little minds are sharp because they're getting nutrition. So it's a total outreach to change their lives forever. It's not throwing money at a target. It's putting the arms of love through these incredible missionaries and teachers committed to help them. It's showing them Jesus. It's giving them a future. It's giving them real life. So would you be the answer to a mother's prayer for her children? Would you be the miracle that every heart longed for that Betty and I prayed for? We prayed hard for it. I know if you could have, you would have said, here it is. Well, you can say it to those mothers that Sheila talked about. You can say it to those families. We have some gifts to send you to say thank you. You're going to love the gifts because they bless you. It's like giving you spiritual food and water. It's what we want to do every day on Life Today. But would you right now go to lifeday.org or would you dial the number and would you take your bank card, use it like a check, make the largest gift you can. Please, knowing it'll be doubled, please do it. Thank you for making that life-giving call. Thank you for sharing.
0: In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation, LIFE's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of LIFE's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for Mission Feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children. $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children. And $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be double to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Without Rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children. And you may request our beautiful majesty bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today.
3: You know, Betty, I really prayed that you'd be able to, to handle what Sheila said to you. And I know she did. Sheila, you're just such a blessing. We're so glad you're part of our team and our family here at Life Today and Life Outreach. Robia is a part of our team, too. She's part of the body of Christ. She says she can help you the ways I prayed somebody would help in areas where I cannot. And I think it will if you'd like to have counterfeit comforts and let her journey along with you and inspire you. We'll be happy to send it. You help us give these kids something to eat and be an answer to those mother's prayers. Boy, we wanna be a real blessing to you in saying thank you. So if you'd like to have this too, it's in the bookstores. Tell your friends about it. But if you'd like to have one today, you just ask for it. Join us in thanks to Robia again. Would you please? We'll be praying for you and your husband again. Thank you so much. Robia. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for sharing life.
0: Jarring headlines, rapid cultural change, moral decay, and terrorism sweeping the globe. Dr. David Jeremiah asks, is this the end? Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.